springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Garnishing your ham with pineapple? Pair it with a delicious Chardonnay to make their taste buds swirl. Deviled eggs are even better when paired with a light, dry wine like a bubbly Prosecco or a Pinot Grigio. For me, nothing beats recommending a great wine. And with such an extensive selection, I can help you find the perfect one in your budget. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection. This spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. From burnout and exhaustion to joy and fulfillment. Through the act of serving consciously, it's time to rediscover your passion. It's live with Elizabeth and guests on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome to Serving Consciously. I'm your host, Elizabeth Bishop, and today we're going to talk about inspired intention. I'm really thrilled that you're here with me. And if you were listening last week, we talked about answering the call, and this discussion and conversation today is really connected to that as I think about it. Um, we have so many intentions, don't we? Um, consciously and unconsciously, I think. And um, just like we have many, many calls, many things that call to us, call to um, grab our attention, call for our presence, call for our engagement. And I think that, you know, um, when we think about answering the call and we think about the intentions that are powerful for us, if we look at what's inspiring to us, that can help us to kind of narrow down which, which ones to answer, or which ones to follow. So that's what I wanted to talk a bit about today. Um, if you think about intention, it usually is our deepest intentions really that make themselves known over time anyways, right? They're very powerful in our lives and part and also connected to what motivates us. And our intentions can also change over time. Um, and sometimes they can change through the power of our, our awareness, really. So if we end up in, say, an outcome, an experience, and we hear ourselves saying, oh, that wasn't my intention, I didn't really mean for that to occur, or I didn't mean for that, you know, outcome, we can take a look at the intentions that underlie that, and we can make changes for that powerful. And I think when we consider inspired intention, it is so powerful, uh, powerful for us as a guidepost and a touchstone that we can return to over and over and over again. Something that can really guide the choices that we're making and the actions that we engage in and can help us to really stay connected to what is motivating us on the deepest levels. And like we were talking about last week, the, that infinite call, that call that we're getting all the time that we're responding to. So... Before I introduce our guest today, and I'm so excited about this, um, I'd like to just plant a couple of powerful guiding questions that might help um, to really take something away from today's show for you. So to think about what does inspiration feel like in your body and what thoughts run through your mind when you're feeling inspired, how do you, how do you experience inspiration? So kind of let that float around in the back of your mind as we jump into uh, the, the show today. And I'm so excited, so thrilled to be introducing my very first guest on Serving Consciously. Deanna Hooper is here with us today. And Deanna is the founder and editor-in-chief of Social Work Helper. 
She's got lots of experience in nonprofit communications, technology, social media consulting, and she holds a master's in social work with the concentration in management and community practice, as well as a certificate in nonprofit management, both from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So I mentioned Deanna is the founder and editor-in-chief of SocialWorkHelper.com, and this is a huge online publication for social workers and other helping professionals, full of resources, research, current topics. It's a place to connect, and she has really accomplished a lot in the creation of this uh, publication and has so much more um, in the works as well. So I, I thought that Deanna would be the perfect person to talk about Inspired Intention and just share with us a bit about her journey and how that has guided her in what she's created. So, Deanna, welcome to Serving Consciously. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. Thank you, Elizabeth, so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So I'm wondering if maybe the, the place to start is for to give you an opportunity to tell us a bit about your journey towards what you've created um, in the world right now with SocialWorkHelper.com. <clears throat> Well, when people ask me that question, I always say that Social Work Helper was born from pain. And and that is true in the sense that when I created it, it was a hobby, an outlet. I was going through a, a time in my life where I had just graduated from graduate school. Um, I had a sickness with a pre-existing condition, and I was I had no health insurance. Because my program at that time, this was before Obamacare had actually been enacted. So I was in that hole with many Americans with no health insurance, um, trying to get an education to help, you know, create better opportunities for myself, a better job, maybe, you know, a promotion. I was already working as a, a child protection social worker. But in order to um, finish my degree, I had to quit work so that I could do an internship. So it was all of these snowball effects that started, you know, um, you know, creating this cosm for, you know, I, I don't know what I'm, I'm going to do. So I created Social Work Helper as an outlet because I found online there was a lot of social workers that found themselves in the same position as I was, but. LinkedIn and Facebook weren't necessarily the places that you want to discuss, you know, these traumas that you're experiencing in your life because you, because employment agencies and, and different folks now are looking at social media when they're, you know, trying to decide whether they're going to hire you as a candidate. So it wasn't a good place to have these conversations or to get support. So the idea came about, you know, to create social work helper as a space where you know, when you find yourself in this place where if you're a social worker, who helps you? <laughs> and, 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 you know, because social workers are often the people who are in that place to help people when they're in crisis. But we're people, too, and often we experience, this, we experience the same crises in our families, in our lives that we help others with. And so I thought it was a a place that I could create to help fill that void that maybe others who were experiencing the same things that I was experiencing, that we could be a support for each other. And so I started writing about my my journey for healthcare and getting the treatment that I needed. And, you know, fortunately for me, I was able to get the life-saving surgery that I needed to save my life. Um, but 
there are so many people, you know, who have, you know, died from preventable health care if they could get treatment. And so um, my inspiration initially was born from, you know, what activated me to become more politically and socially active was my personal experience um, in, in dealing with, you know, getting health care and getting Obamacare passed. And so I found myself becoming an advocate for Obamacare um, to help other people get insured. Um, it just seems that there's no reason that people should lose their lives over preventable health care from lack of treatment. So true. So true. And, you know, you've said, oh, there's just a few things like when you talked about, you know, your your original inspiration sort of being born of pain, you know, and really very deeply personal um, as far as, you know, what what sort of motivated you towards the work that you've created and what you're contributing in the world now. Um, I think there's probably a lot of social workers and other helping professionals out there that can relate to that. Um, the power of having that personal inspiration, you know, that personal experience that really drives you to seeking answers, you know. Um, and you said it too, that the people, the professionals that are providing services to, to people out there are human beings, like they we're human beings, right? So a lot exactly. of what other people struggle with, we are often challenged with as well. And, and I think, you know, you just said so beautifully the importance of recognizing that and letting, you know, those challenges or finding ways for those challenges we experience personally to become a source of inspiration and motivation to create change. Exactly. That's beautiful. So I know one thing I wanted to mention too, um, and you and I talked about this, that, you know, it's what you've created as far as your online publication, one of your, your major projects is called socialworkhelper.com. And I think you just gave us a bit of uh, background there as to, you know, um, sort of creating that safe space, that sacred space where people could talk about, you know, the realities of what they were experiencing in their profession without being afraid that it would somehow, you know, uh, damage their opportunities. Um, but you and I also talked about the fact that what you've created there really is a sacred space for other helping professionals as well, right? Exactly. So with, with social work helper, what, I, you know, also being a child protective social worker, you know, I work with many different helping professionals from police to hospital workers, to social workers in schools, to teachers, to clinicians, to psychologists, to, you know, people doing the um, psychological plans for children. I mean, we work across the spectrum and we use what we call the system of care where you have this interdisciplinary team that's working to help make decisions for the best route that we could to help this family improve their outcomes um, and, and not just focus solely on the children, but focus on the family as a whole. Beautiful. So I, so I've tried to take that concept to social work helper and how I use it to develop content, um, to get information and resources out to service users and to helping professionals who are actually providing the services. So we want to not only engage social workers, um, we, our goal is to engage all helping professionals who are working to increase outcomes for children and families. So, so that is our mission statement to its core. 
and how we try to develop content when reaching people. That's beautiful. It reminds me of a project I worked on back in um, Confederation College in in Thunder Bay, Ontario, here in Canada. But I know it's an international um, movement, and uh, it was called Interprofessional Education. And it was looking at how do we educate helping professionals, healthcare and human services, social services professionals across the board in ways that that prepare them for really working together when, when they're out there in the field. Exactly. Yeah, yeah and, so that united approach. And, and because we we do have to, we work together. Our, our jobs align in the work that we do. And so I think it's important that when we're doing education and training that our jobs and our disciplines align as well so that when we enter the workforce and we have to work together, that bond and that um, community is already established for our work to move forward even further when we enter the workforce. And that is something that I hope that more interaction across disciplines will achieve before we actually get to the workforce. Because once you get to workforce and you have to work with, you know, the different helping professions, if you're not used to collaborating, it can be it can be more of a challenge than a resource. And so Absolutely. we want <laughs> we definitely want to start that process early when we're doing service learning, when we're doing in service training, when we're getting our degrees and, and certificates we should have more cross-discipline interaction and training. And so I'm hoping, well, you know, one of the things that I feel that we are doing with Social Work Helper is that we're reaching the different helping professionals and being able to provide information from a social work lens that maybe offer a different perspective because I do believe that social work examines things from a biopsychosocial perspective that maybe other other disciplines don't necessarily look at. So I do feel that social work does have a perspective that should be entered into the public discourse so we so that we can offer that social perspective that's often lit, that's often missing um, the social environment and its impact on you know, families being able to remove barriers and challenges that they face, whether they be systematic, race, racial, or environmental. Mm-hmm. We like to examine all of those things to see how we can overcome those barriers. And I think having these conversations on a platform like Social Work Helper helps to remove some of the barriers that we find in employment Um where you're often vying for funding or yes. <laughs> or credibility. So, you know, being able to have a platform where those things are not issues, it makes a little bit it makes it a bit easier to absorb that information and to access those resources without those barriers. Absolutely. And I you know, I I so hear what you're saying because I think you know, um as far as providing uh services contributing to you know, to the the health and well-being of of our fellow man in the world, no matter where we're living, um, really, I think lies in some way at the at the heart of most people who come into any kind of helping profession, and it's like creating that sort of overall community environment where we're all working together, 
and we're all sort of going towards the same end, even though we might each have different kinds of roles and responsibilities. So learning about that with each other, from each other, um, about how we can best work together and who's sort of, you know, um, responsibility is what, I suppose, you know, and how we can access those resources is going to be bring us so much further than, you know, some of the, the situations we find ourselves in where it is competitive or it is, you know, like you said, vying for the funds or, you know, <laughs> crossing mandates and things like that that just takes us away from our focus, right? Exactly right. And I saw that all the time um, when when trying to schedule a family team meeting and you have all of the actors from the different um, organizations that you have to invite to this meeting. I mean, because things have all of these challenges and barriers, this greatest asset seems more of a challenge, you know, to the person who has to organize it. And often the benefits might get lost because the professionals have such a difficult time removing the barriers that prevent us from working more closely together. So, so so I'm hoping, you know, and and I'm actually seeing evidence from Social Work Helper just from, you know, the readers and the subscribers and people who continue to come back and, and, and read the content that we offer, that we are reaching people from multiple disciplines across, as well as service users and helping them gain information to navigate the systems that we implement. And I think that's so important for us to not only just um, reach providers, but to be able to provide some transparency to the people that we serve and also help them understand better the challenges that we face as well, in addition to providing them information that can help them directly in their own lives. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, you've made so many excellent points there just around, you, you know, I mean, sort of what inspired you to create this, but I mean, I can hear it so clearly in what you're talking about. It really is that space, that community and that space for sharing and coming together, working together in an interconnected kind of way. And, and I absolutely think that that's where we are, where we need to be and how we're going to move things forward as far as, um, really being of service to other people in the world. And, you know, uh, coming from a place that's meaningful for us as individuals as well. So you know what, Diona, I think, I think we're going to take a quick little break here right now, and then we'll come back and go a little bit further into what's going on with you right now. Okay, sounds great. part of your life mission to be of service to others? Making a difference in the world is a tall order. You are the resource when it comes to serving humanity. Beyond taking care of yourself, learn to create self-connection in your life. Integrate who you are with what you do. 
you will find a source of inspiration and energy that surpasses your wildest imagination. Register for the Self-Connection Series at www.elizabethbishopconsulting.com. Look under Programs and Services for details. Are you a helping professional looking for inspiration, resources, and community? Visit socialworkhelper.com for relevant articles and learning opportunities. Connect with other difference makers in the world. Socialworkhelper.com Listening to Serving Consciously, and I'm your host, Elizabeth Bishop, and my guest today is Deanna Hooper with SocialWorkHelper.com. And you can go to SocialWorkHelper.com to check out the resources and all that's available to you there. And you can contact Deona at Deona, D-E-O-N-A, at SocialWorkHelper.com as well if you have any specific questions that you'd like to, to ask her. And you can find me at elizabethbishopconsulting.com. So, Deanna, before we went to break, we were talking about a lot of things. We were talking about your your personal experiences that inspired you and led you towards the, the creation of socialworkhelper.com and really sort of um, talked about the challenges that many helping professionals, social workers included, uh, face in not only gathering resources and finding, um, you know, uh, information and finding uh, the, the people and professionals and resources that they're looking for quickly and easily, but also how the professionals uh, work together as a team, really. And we talk so much about that academically, um, and yet sometimes it's still really a challenge when we get out there and actually get working in the professional world. So we kind of left off there. Yes, we did. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a huge, <laughs> we could probably do several shows on that one. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, one of the things that I really, and, and, you know, most people look at social work helper and, and one of the first things that they will notice is that it doesn't have a lot of academic and journal jargon. Uh, what what you typically see in other social work publications or you know magazines, it's it's very geared for the the practitioner, the academic, and so that was a conscious decision for for me that I did not want to present information in that way. I wanted to to be more editorial. Mm-hmm. Um, something that you would see in a news article. Um, Something that is readable that you shouldn't need a PhD to um, identify <laughs> what the meaning of the article is to have some takeaways from it. I want it to be, I wanted it to be simple and clean, like the top five tips to help with self care. You know, I wanted it that 
if, you know, a person who is on a journey to finding, you know, if they feel like they may be in crisis or they feel like they may be, that they're in need of help, but they're not quite ready to um, ask someone or they're not quite ready to um, admit that they might need to take X, Y, Z steps, but they are open to doing a Google search to see if maybe they fit in these criteria. Mm-hmm. I want it to be one of the resources. I want so short helper to be one of those resources that may pop up in their Google search that yeah. may help them with that informed decision that maybe you need to take the next steps to to seeking treatment, to asking questions, to connect you with someone who's going to help you with whatever issue you're experiencing. Absolutely. And I can so relate to that. Um, very much so because and I know in many of the workshops and things that I that I provide and, and people that I'm talking to we always get down to the fact that you know in in our training in our professional development we learn all kinds of things about you know cutting edge research and the and the best practices and different techniques and tools and treatments and all of those kinds of things but they mean very little or they're not nearly as powerful if we don't already have that container of the relationship and the relationship really happens between human beings, right? So whether we're talking about that relationship with people we're providing service to or relationship with colleagues, it's all the same. And that, that sort of container, the relationship is the container for any kind of healing or transformation or growth that, that can be experienced of everybody involved, including ourselves. And I really hear that that's the piece that you're wanting to get to and and offer to people who are working in any kind of a helping profession to really find ways that help them to deal with their really human um, challenges or experiences. Because sometimes it's not even a challenge. Sometimes it could be something that's just a, a part of evolution and enlightenment for that person too. Exactly. We we try to, like I said, use the, the biopsychosocial in, in presenting information. I mean, even if we're discussing and providing information on self-care, we also try to provide information on best practices and, 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 and tools that they can use to add to their toolbox to help them be better practitioners or to help make their job easier and you know when you once you get into the workforce if you have a caseload <laughs> you are not going to have the time to sit down and read a 30 page journal article any you know like you did for for college when you were getting yes. your degree you're not going to have that time so you're wanting you you're wanting to stay on top of what's best practices you want to know what the top tools and things are but you may not necessarily have, like I said, you're just not going to have the time to read 30 journal articles that are 30 pages long. Uh, <laughs> you know, with all the data you don't need, what you need is someone to tell you <laughs> what are the top 10 things in here I need to know. What What is it? You know, you want that information broken down so that it's more concise, more easily digestible. Absolutely. And, and also, I think I think service users they appreciate being able to see how we practice, how we form the basis of our decisions that affect their lives so much. And so I see that it helps from from both perspectives when information is presented in a way that both service users and providers understand. Yes. 
That makes so much sense. I mean, it's, it's really making all of those principles, uh, qualities, all of those foundational sort of philosophies and things that guide a practice and really that are universal, I think, to helping professions, making it real for everybody involved, right? You know, like really making, if we want to be accessible, if we want to be responsive, if we want to, you know, be informative, those kinds of things, making that something that makes sense to both the, the people using the service and the people providing it. Yes, because I, I think the reason why our, and I, and I speak from the social work perspective more because that is my training and background, even though our overall, overall mission is to engage all helping professionals. But I do speak from the social work perspective more because I think that because the profession has this um, percep- this perceived per- per, you know um, view that our mission and goal in life is to break up families and to remove children from their home. And so I do try to combat that a bit with social work helper by getting out more information and, and some transparency. Um, to help families better understand for both their protection and the social work protection, uh, what the policies, you know, what, what things should look like, um, when families are going through that process. Uh, one of the things that I did when I was in graduate school that I was really thankful for is that I ran a parent partner program. And part of what my responsibilities were were teaching families Parents who've had their children removed, their rights and responsibilities. Oftentimes, um, agencies are full on telling parents what their responsibilities, that they need to do X, Y, Z and creating a service plan. But oftentimes, they are not being explained the law, the statutes, the policies that can also protect them and also hold social workers accountable as well to make sure that they are doing things according to the statutory obligations that they are required to follow. And so this was a pilot program. And and what I found is that parents embraced that. It gave them some sense of they knew what the process was. They knew what the steps was. They knew what their rights and responsibilities were. Um, I felt that it helped to empower them, and the feedback was great. But I think the I think the program discontinued after the funding ran out. But this, <laughs> but this shouldn't be a pilot program. This should be the norm. And yes. so, you know, so that that transparency of of having, um, you know, the policies and and everything laid out for families, so it's not a guessing game, and so there's more consistency and more standardization in how things are done. Um, you know, that's one of those reform issues that I think that we should be moving towards. And that's another topic altogether. <laughs> but those are some of the things that, you know, um, I write about in Social Work Helper about reforms, um, whether it's for social services or whether it's geared towards social work education. I personally, you know, um, uh, write articles more geared um, towards social work reform, um, mm-hmm. but I use the overall platform 
to be interdisciplinary and provide a space where people from other professions, if they want to reach social workers, they see this as an outlet to do so. Also, if they're, you know, writing things that they are, that they feel are family oriented and they feel that social workers should be adding them to their toolbox, it's a great space for that as well. So that's how we tie in the interdisciplinary approach. Yes. And you know what I'm hearing? Like, I, I'm always I love to look at sort of what are those, you know, the um, sort of the quality that I'm, I'm hearing you talk about. And, you know, transparency is is a big one that you've mentioned. And really, like in the example that you just gave around working with families who might be going through a process where their children are being removed or temporarily removed from their homes, you're really talking about in that program, that pilot program, about creating a sense of partnership. Exactly. And there's and no way that we can have that without transparency and everybody having access to the information, right? And that's really what what I heard you saying there. And I can so see how that feeds into what you're you're doing and what your intention is with uh, socialworkhelper.com as well. Yes. So basically, all of my life experiences <laughs> have <laughs> formed a basis for, for Social Work Helper, and that's um, that's what I use to guide, um, you know, because I really didn't have a, a roadmap for when I created Social Work Helper. It was inspired by my experiences, um, is guided by experiences, um, as well as things that I felt powerless to change. Um, so I try to use this platform to advocate, even though I cannot go back and change things that I personally felt powerless to change, but maybe I can use it to advocate for for future change and, and future reform. And so Social Work Helper does have a political element that is often, that is another thing about Social Work Helper that's a little bit different from traditional platforms. Mm -hmm. I do use it for political activism. Um, and so for that reason, Social Work Helper is a public benefit court instead of a nonprofit because of the political activism that I do engage in, uh, whether it's at, you know, advocating for issues related to Black Lives Matter or um, right now we're running a nonpartisan campaign for voter registration um, because voter registration um, helps everyone, not just any candidate or specific party. It is a, well, not quite a constitutional right. It should be, but we're hoping one day that it will be. Um, mm -hmm. But in order to protect our constitutional rights, at the basic level, people have to exercise their right to vote. So that is one of the campaigns that we're currently running right now. And so... Social Work Helper has evolved from initially being a platform to be an outlet as a voice, uh, yes. to not just being a voice, but also be a voice with action. And so that is the evolution that Social Work Helper is currently in now. Yes, I love that. Um, say again the name of the campaign that you're doing around voter registration. So what I have done, um, I created this mobile app um, for, for Social Work Helper. Yeah. And th th I'm, I'm going to give you the, a little bit on the evolution of how this came about. Um, and so one of the things about this Social Work 
helper app, not only can you like view social work helper articles, but there's also a section where if you're in your local area and you're experiencing a crisis or you need information or help related to a specific issue, whether it's a crisis line, a food bank, a domestic violence shelter, a homeless shelter, you can hit find services and you can look up the local services in your area. It also has things about affordable day care, directories for affordable day care, for low-cost prescriptions. It's a whole host of things of services that you can find in your local area if, if you need to find something that you may be looking for. Yes. And so with that, I decided to put in a... Uh, information for Rock the Vote to be able to register to vote. Right. And so I I reached out to Rock the Vote and we have partnered to do a voter registration drive. And with the app, because you don't necessarily have to be at a booth or at a, you know, because each person can go out and register somebody. You can register yourself and you can go out and register somebody else because the mobile technology gives you the ability to move wherever your phone is. And so you're much more agile and being able to come in contact with people to register someone to vote. So I reached out to social work partners, um, the National Association of Social Workers, um, signed on the Academy, the American Academy for Social Work and Social Welfare. They signed on. And also today, the Council for Social Work Education, they just signed Excellent. on the campaign. And so we're pushing this campaign in all 50 states, and we're hoping to register as many voters as we can, um, and also helping to create awareness and engagement by the social workers who, you know, there's research to suggest because social workers are at the basic level for every family. I mean, social workers can get, you know, we have access to homes. We have access to children at school. We have access to people at hospitals, in prisons, in libraries. Social workers are everywhere, even though we may not actually go by that title. Um, You know, there, there are social work professionals in every spectrum, whether you're getting released from prison or you're on probation and parole, whether you're engaged in a court system with, with drug courts or, you know, addiction or substance abuse, social workers can reach people that normal, traditional get-out-the-vote campaigns can't reach. Um, and, and actually in North Carolina, actually in the United States, social workers are required to help register people to vote. So I'm hoping that we kind of get to our social justice roots and these basic freedoms and, and, and rights that we have, you know, that many people died in order for us to have the ability to exercise, that I hope that we will become more socially engaged and increase our political power to help get the funds and resources that we need for to perform our jobs as well as to get prevention programs for our clients. Absolutely. And I mean, like you said, the, the people who in the helping professions are right there with people um, actually seeing what kinds of things are happening and are able to be that bridge. That's so wonderful. Before we finish today, we'll recap the um, the places where you can find the information about the app and, and of course, socialworkhelper.com. Um, but we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Serving Consciously, and I'm Elizabeth Bishop talking with Deanna 
Cooper, and we'll be back in just a moment. Are you a helping professional looking for inspiration, resources, and community? Visit socialworkhelper.com for relevant articles and learning opportunities. Connect with other difference makers in the world. Socialworkhelper.com Tired of the same old boring training sessions? You know, those ones you sit in all day and take very little from. Head over to ElizabethBishopConsulting.com to learn more about the conscious service approach and how your organization can benefit from webinars, online programs, and in-person workshops. Renew your sense of connection with yourself and others in real and meaningful ways. Be inspired. Be encouraged. Be energized. Be you and love what you do. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Serving Consciously, and I'm your host, Elizabeth Bishop, and I'm here today with my guest, Deanna Hooper, with SocialWorkHelper.com. And we were just talking, well, we've been talking about a lot of things <laughs> already in this 45 minutes, and we were just talking about some of the um, the Rock the Vote campaign that Deanna is actively involved in, um, and also how uh, people can access resources and information and um and, uh, you know, connections that need to be made, both as people seeking out service as well as professionals through Deanna's uh, Social Work Helper app. And, Deanna, just so people know right now, where can they download the app? Well, right now you can get the app either on iTunes or on Google Play. It's available on both platforms. Um, and so all you have to do is go to Google, Google Search and you can put in Social Work Helper app and it'll pull up both for either iTunes, or you can go specifically to Google Play and iTunes and search Social Work Helper, and you'll find it very easily. Yes, and I actually downloaded mine very, very easily from iTunes in just a matter of moments. So I would really encourage people to do that because there's just a wealth of resources and information there. So make sure that you uh, check that out. So, Deanna, I mean, we've talked a lot about... Um, you know, sort of what people can can see, um, how what they can access when they go to socialworkhelper.com or on the app and some of the projects that you've got on the go um, right now. And I just want to 
step back for a sec. We started off talking about kind of what inspired you to create socialworkhelper.com and um, what you were connected to at that point as far as your personal journey and experience that propelled you forward. I'm wondering what inspires you now. Uh, what inspires me now? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. And and one of the things that I I found and, and that I constantly you know ask myself daily, as social work helper grows, my my level of awareness and responsibility has grown with it. The ability to be able to reach millions of people just by writing an article, it comes with such an awareness and also some fear as well because you want to be responsible in how you use that power to reach people and how you use it to present information. You want to make sure that you use it, use your powers for good. And and that's one of the things that I constantly say, say to myself that I make sure that I use my powers for good, that I always have good intention behind what I'm doing. And if I cannot align what I'm doing with good intention, then I have to step back and, and figure out, you know, sometimes not doing anything until you can figure out if you can move forward with good intention is the best thing that you can do. So Beautiful. That, so that is what I do when I'm trying to, you know, because like I, I've mentioned this before with Social Work Helper, there is no no map for me to follow. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a woman of color and, and, and having a media platform, I have not been able to connect with others who may have developed a media platform um, from scratch before, you know, if I had a direct line to Oprah, I might could ask her a few questions, <laughs> but in the absence <laughs> of that, you know, I, I'm finding, I'm having to create my own roadmap. And so in, in not having that roadmap to follow, I've kind of just gave myself some guidelines in which I decide what moves to make. And so that is part of my guidelines that I have placed on myself in determining what moves to make. That's and beautiful. so I, I sit down and I'm getting ready to wrap up my first five-year plan, and I'm getting ready to start writing my next five-year plan. I work in five-year plans, and I find that has been helpful for me um, in being able to determine what I would like to do, um, where I would like to go, and, and really how I would like to see social work helper evolve. And I find, you know, this started out as a hobby that I've turned into a, a business because, you know, when you're presenting information, you do need to protect yourself legal-wise. And so I found that it was better to, you know, to legally form as a business and to put those um, protections in place you know, just so that I can, um, it's much easier to navigate uh, when you do things in a formal way. And so yes. with doing that, um, I see evolution as part of my business plan, being fluid and not being rigid um, has helped social work helper um, evolve where I'm really looking at what my readers respond to, looking at the analytics of how people come in contact with Social Work Helper, which is how the mobile app uh, became part of that evolution. And so 
when I, you know, create that guide for myself of where I would like to go, you know, looking at all of those things and factors are part of, of that, that guiding principle that I use to see where I would like to be in five, in, a, in, a, in the next five years. That's beautiful. So are you saying that you started socialworkhelper.com five years ago or was it longer? It will be five years in March. Wow. And look what you've done. Like you have a reach of about a quarter of a million people right now, right? And, and, and that's just the social media alone. Um, yeah. The act, yeah. When, uh, each month, about a half a million people visit Social Work Helper. And then the social media reach is about 250,000. Maybe it may be about 200, closer to maybe 275 now. Um, that was last March statistics. So it has grown some. Um, my subscriber base is is growing. And so I've been able to grow at a growth rate where I double my readership each year. And so I'm really hoping um, that by the time I reach 10 years, that Social Work Helper is, you know, I, I have students tell me, you know, you helped me graduate. And that is so, you know, yeah. because they, they need social work helper and maybe there's some complex things, um, whether it's systems theories that, you know, I'm able to write about now um, from a perspective. One, I've been a practitioner for a while. You know, I, I've, I've been in helping professionals, for, you know, for a while in other capacities, I've been a correctional officer, <laughs> I've been a police officer, and I finally ended back up in social work because I, I had my undergraduate degree in social work, and then I worked for 10 years, and and then I, it was later in life when I, I came back to my original passions of social work, and so that's where I've been and I've stayed, and so... Now I'm able to really speak about concepts and theories that when I experienced them in school, I understood them, but I didn't truly understand the application of them. Yeah. Uh, and so now I can help, you know, translate things for students a little bit better than I could, um, you know, even even as a direct practitioner. I think getting a macro degree that really forced me to look at community practice and communities and not just the individual and the family really helped me look at systems issues in a way that I had not ever experienced, um, you know, with my other degrees and, and, and my other uh, professions. So, you know, the macro degree really opened my my social work lens full blast mm -hmm. and, and it changed my perspective so much that it changed how I view practice. That's beautiful. I mean, it's such a, you know, just in, in hearing this journey, like the, the element of, um, you know, being a lifelong learner, embracing your learning, you know, and really learning from your experience as well as from the intellectual process, obviously, but learning from your own experiences. And when you talked about, you know, in the academic world, we get that intellectual kind of understanding about about the ideas, about the, the theories, the approaches, whatever it is. And in the experiential part of it, that's like that understanding moves from our heads into our hearts, right? And that's a way deeper level of knowing 
and to be able to share that experience and, and your learning process with other people, I can tell by the sound in your voice that that's a big part of why you're doing what you're doing. Oh, a- absolutely. I yeah. mean, I, I, I always, when I was a, a CPS worker, it was the hardest job I, I ever had. It, it was harder than policing. It, it was harder than anything I ever done. I was in a constant fear that I would make a mistake that would cause someone's life. I could mm-hmm. never relax. I was always in a state of anxiety um, because I was so afraid of making a mistake. But you cannot be 100% on anything. That's not even realistic. And I think the circumstances in which we put workers are unrealistic. Yeah. We we give unrealistic expectation, unrealistic tools and funding, and and we expect unrealistic outcomes. Yeah, well, it's and, like we expect the human being to not be a human being. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so what I found is that, you know, on my caseload, I may have 50 people, you know, and, and that would be counting the children and the parents and everyone I would have to see. And I realized when I started doing social work helper, that not only can I affect 50 people, but I can reach so many more people on a macro level than I could at one person at a time. One person at a time work is very important and it's necessary, but also I think the macro is as well. And and providing tools, um, because like I said, I I was constantly having to find resources and information for, for my families. And, and so I wanted the Social Work Helper app also to be able to help providers as well as individuals looking for information because we either had like a tablet or a folder with resources that often outdated, not computerized. Yes. And so now I wanted, you know, everyone as well as service providers and individuals to be able to access information that they may need for themselves or for a loved one or for a client. And to be able Absolutely. to do faster using mobile technology. And yet, and it is. It's so responsive and it's so current and so relevant and so meaningful. And you've done that and you're doing it. It's continuing to grow. And I'm, I'm just so thrilled. I, and actually, Deanna and I have created a partnership where we're sharing uh, information through Social Work Helper and, um, and also sharing information through this show, Serving Consciously. So you're going to see more opportunities um, that Deanna and I will take actually in the future. Cause we talked about that, right? Deanna doing more yeah. shows together. So actually, I'm really, yeah. I'm, really I'm going to talk Elizabeth into let me co-hosting with her one day. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're going to do it. We're definitely going to do it. So now as we're coming into the end of the show here, I just want to remind everyone, go and check out what Deanna Hooper has created at socialworkhelper.com. Check out her app on iTunes or the Google store, social work helper. Doc, or well, social work helper app, right? By putting that yes. in, social work helper. Yes. And you can mm-hmm. start playing with that right away. Check out Rock the Vote. And um, and you can get in contact with Deanna um, directly through Deanna at socialworkhelper.com. Right, Deanna? Yes, and I'm always on Twitter. Twitter is my favorite platform. Yes. That's <laughs> awesome. And you can find information, more information about the conscious service approach at Elizabeth Bishop consulting.com and there'll be information um 
coming out over the next couple of weeks about my next guest on October 14th when we talk about corporate mindfulness. So, Dion, I want to thank you so, so much for being here today. I want to thank everybody for listening in, and you've been listening to Serving Consciously with Deanna Hooper as our guest from socialworkhelper.com and with me, Elizabeth Bishop, as your host. Thank you so, so much for being here. You've been listening to Serving Consciously with your host, Elizabeth Bishop. Consciously create your approach to work. Visit www.elizabethbishopconsulting.com. Join us on every second and fourth Friday at noon to continue rediscovering your passion. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. It's peak season for asparagus, which pairs perfectly with a light and crisp rosé. Many bottles of champagne and sparkling wines are perfect for adult Easter baskets. And they're really cute, too. My perfect brunch? Belgian waffles with extra whipped cream and a holiday pour of your sweetest rosé. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers! Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Every bunny loves honey-glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration, and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Wine is made in virtually every country in the world, and I'm ready to give you a tour to find the right one. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers! <laughs> 